Well, welcome to this first week of the series we're calling Live Rich, where we're learning to uh, live the rich life, the abundant life that God uh, promises us in, in his words. And one of the keys to unlocking that abundant life is through this idea of generosity. Uh, now, as humans, we're not naturally generous. Uh, from, from early stages, uh, a kid's first word is like, mine, right? It's, it's dada, mama, no mine, right? Like they're kind of in that order and that never really leaves us throughout, throughout our lives, even in the most uh, intimate of relationships. Uh, some of you, man, are like so excited to get married and, and snuggle up with your, your loved one every night of the week. Uh, but what you'll find out in that moment is that there are some things that we still feel like are, are mine. Um, uh, for example, whenever it comes to uh, going to bed at night, some of you think like this is the way it looks and it's like 50-50, we're going to split the bed half and half, this looks ideal, but the reality looks more like, like this one, right? Like it's, it's more like 80-20, it turns out the Pareto principle applies to even going to bed at night, 80% is someone else's, 20% is, is yours. Uh, this other picture here, check this out, it's like, hey, this is, this is my side of the bed, this is his or her side of the bed. This, this could be, could go both ways, just to be clear, just to be fair here. Um, uh, one guy, he got uh, fed up with this, and so he decided to put some, some data to this. So he took a, a laser and put it down the middle of the bed like this. And he said, in our home, there will be no debate, only data, right? And so, fellas, fair warning, you can win the battle and lose the war. Like, this is not, not worth it by any stretch of the imagination, the, the, the wife was probably like, you bet, buddy, like you can stay on your side of the bed. You can believe I'm going to stay on my side of the bed. That will backfire real quick. Um, the great equalizer, however, is snoring. As you get older with age, you just begin snoring, and it uh, turns out you get all the space uh, you want. So we've got this next slide here, right there. There it is. It's more effective strategy. Uh, sorry, Tiffany. According to my, sl- according to my sleep out, I-, I snored for two hours and 34 minutes last night. So sorry if she looks tired. That's because I was trying to have my space um, snoring. But, but it's interesting. Even in, again, intimate relationships where we share everything, we share house, we share a bank account, we share beds, there's still this idea of, no, this is mine. And we can set up these mine fields, right? And if you step on what's mine, not only will I blow up, but you might blow up in the process as well. And we get more concerned about protecting what we have than, than noticing what others may need. And living rich isn't about clinging to what we have, but rather being generous with what God has, has provided. Uh, the Bible teaches it, the data, the research backs it up, and people here in this room are living this out as a reality in their lives. And so when it comes, when, when you take care of, of the needs of others, when you take care of of, of the needs of God and, and the needs of his people, you can live rich towards God and others, and then God is, is rich in you. And so you might be thinking, why are we doing this? Like, are we in financial ruin? Is that why we're doing this right now? Uh, no, the answer is no, we're not in financial ru- ruin. We actually, uh, you, you gave more than we anticipated last year, so things are, are looking good in that arena. Uh, you may be thinking, hey, we just, we just finished the cafe. We opened the cafe, and now we're like trying to pay for this thing called the cafe. Like, it looks awesome, but holy smokes, now we're doing a series on giving. Uh, is that why we're doing this? No, no, we're not. Uh, you actually gave to that project years ago. So that, that project's already paid for in full, thanks to your, your generosity. You may be thinking, yeah, that's awesome. That's what we're celebrating. 
You may be thinking, are we in debt? And that's why we're doing this series, because we need to unpack a bunch of debt. No, thanks to, to great leadership from Roger, uh, from, from the current eldership, from Tanya, from, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're a church that's debt-free, and that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we're not doing it for, for that reason. Uh, the reality is, the reason why, is because the Bible has a whole lot to say about this idea of, of money, this idea of, of living rich. And, and in fact, if we were to bring you messages just based on how, how often the Bible talks about different topics, we would probably be doing a, a financial series every other week because the Bible has a whole lot to say about this idea of, of money. Here's what I mean. Um, the word believe is used 272 times in, in the Bible. And belief is is huge, right? Like, like that's how we take hold of salvation. That's how we, we enter into a relationship with Jesus is through our, our belief. So it's, it's paramount. And it's used 272 times. The word prayer or pray is used 371. Like that's how we engage in this relationship with God is through prayer. So it's, it's important, but it's only used 371 times. Love. Some people are like, man, God is love. And that's what we need to talk about more in the church because, because God is love. So let's, let's talk about love because that's what he wants us to do and be and, and all that's true, and the word love is used 714 times. Uh, but check this out. The word give is used 2,161 times. And so, so the Bible, God's word, has a whole lot to say when it comes to this idea of, of living rich, of, of being generous with our time, our talent, and our resources. And so, so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Timothy 6. 17 through 19. Uh, if you have a, a program, you receive one of these bad boys. It's in the top of your program. Uh, you can just refer to this. We'll also have it on the screen as well. Uh, but this is our theme verse uh, for this series. And uh, in, in this passage, Paul is writing to this guy named Timothy, uh, which is a great name, by the way. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Um, and so, so Paul had started this church in Ephesus. Now Timothy is pastoring this church in Ephesus. It was a great church, a thriving church. Uh, some scholars believe that, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was actually attending Ephesus. So, so Timothy feels all this pressure because these spiritual giants are among him. And I feel the same way oftentimes here in this place. But Paul's writing to Timothy to bring him words of encouragement, to give him uh, pastoral leadership advice and specific instructions uh, for the church there in Ephesus. And he brings us some specific instructions today as well. And here's what it says in verse 16. It says, number one, command. The first word, command. Like it starts out really strong out of the gate. If you're taking notes or, or in your program, maybe just circle that word, command. Uh, the word command there is the same word in Luke 8.29. might write that down, Luke 8.29. Uh, and here's what it says in Luke 8.29. Jesus commanded an evil spirit to come out of a little boy who is demon-possessed. Like it's strong words, it's forceful words, it's words that require action and, and movement. It could literally be translated to announce what must be done. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hey, make this announcement of what must be done. He says, command those who are rich in this present life. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, that's great, but I'm not rich. So whatever precedes this doesn't apply to me, right? And that was my initial knee-jerk response, too. Like, well, I'm not, I'm not rich, so like, hey, keep on talking, Paul. Um, but but in, your, in your notes, again, under resources, is a, a link called Global Rich List. And, and if you have that, you might, might go home today and pull that up and plug in your income. And just see where you, you rank on a global level. Um, I think we have it pulled up here. 
Uh, we're we're going to do this. This will be this will be fun. Uh, last week, after one of my son's basketball games, we went to McDonald's. Uh, feel free to hold your judgment till later. We went to Mickey D's, um, and uh, we were eating a bunch of stuff we probably shouldn't be eating, but it was awesome. And uh, on the door, as we walked into McDonald's, they were hiring for fifteen dollars an hour at McDonald's. That was my first job. I was making like four dollars and change when I started. Like that makes me feel really old. Uh, but but McDonald's is hiring for fifteen bucks an hour. So let's assume you you work at McDonald's, fifteen dollars an hour. Let's assume uh, you're going to take two weeks off throughout the year, and that would put you at about thirty thousand dollars annual income. And so we pull up Global Rich List. Let's put in thirty grand. Let's see what see what comes up. So if you make thirty thousand dollars. You're, you're in the top 1.23% of wealthiest people in the world. You're rich, right? Let's go down to this next one here. If you make $30,000 a year, the average person in Ghana will make eight cents an hour. You're going to make like fifteen sixty-three an hour. And we took two weeks off for vacation. That's why the numbers came out a little bit, a little bit higher. But if you were born in Ghana, you're going to work your tail off for eight cents. An hour. Let's go to the next one here. It's going to take, if you make $30,000, it's going to take a laborer in Indonesia 40 years to make what you're going to make in this year alone. 40 years. Like, so, so let's, let's go down one more. Um, not this one, the next one. Check this out. So if you make $30,000 a year, your monthly salary could support the monthly salary of 134 doctors in Pakistan. That's awesome. Like you're working at Mickey D's and you're, you're rich, rich enough to support 134 doctors income. That's, that's crazy. Let's, let's step it up a notch. Let's assume like you're crazy wealthy. Let's assume you're really rich. And let's say you make $100,000 a year. All right, let's, let's do this. Here we go. You're in the top 0.08% of the wealthiest people in the world with $100,000 a year. Scroll down. In Ghana, $0.08 cents an hour. You're making $50, $50 and change. Go all the way to the bottom. There it is. 448 doctors in Pakistan. You can support their salaries with the same amount of money you make right here in the Bay. And I say that to say this. Sometimes I don't feel rich. I'm guessing many of you probably don't feel rich. But on a global level, the reality is that God has entrusted us with so much. And the reality is that we get to live, live rich in our daily lives. And so Paul would say to you to command, to give this announcement of what must be done to those of you in the room who are, are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age, so that they can take hold of life that is truly life. That's why we're doing this series. Because our hope is that you live rich in such a way that, that you lay up for yourselves not only treasures for right here, right now, but for all of eternity. And let me start by saying this too. There's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as stuff doesn't have you. It's good to have stuff. It's not good for stuff to have, have you. And so whenever we look at this text, we look at a, a truckload of other texts, here's what, here's what the Bible teaches, that God doesn't use you with the goal of raising money. 
God actually commands generosity with the goal of raising you, to raise you up for your benefit. Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, Be generous. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know about you. You want some refreshing in your life. I do. I'm like, well, he says, hey, if you refresh others, you're going to be refreshed. Again, here's the reality. God isn't using giving to raise money. He's using generosity to raise people. And you cannot master money if, if money's your master. So we're going to look at this passage in, in 2 Corinthians. There's a lot of text we could go to. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul devotes two chapters uh, to this idea of generosity. And he really, uh, week one of this series, want to just talk about the heart, the motivation behind giving, the heart, the motivation behind generosity. And that's what Paul strikes at in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And so that's, that's our goal today, just talk about the motivating factor behind it. And so the heart of of the generous is this. If you're taking notes, uh, the first fill in the blank is uh, to give joyfully. We give, we give joyfully, not because we have to, but because we, we get to. Second Corinthians 9.17 says this. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver, someone who's excited to give. We give joyfully, uh, number one, because of the impact it makes in, in our lives, uh, but number two, because of the impact it makes in the lives of those around us. Your generosity ripples out and makes multiple impacts. It, it multiplies life transformation. I was thinking about it this week, and I'm so excited uh, to be a part of the Central Christian Church family. And sometimes we get tricked into thinking that the church is a building with four walls and a roof. Sometimes we get tricked into thinking that the church is an organization. But the church is people. Central Christian Church is, is you. You who go out into the community and make a, an impact, not just who gather here on Sunday, but we live our lives uh, with this purpose in mind to, to help people find and follow Jesus. And so this week alone, this week alone, you, Central Christian Church, through your generosity, you, you made an impact through an A21 Walk for Freedom by helping fight against human trafficking around the world. You, you went to homeless camps and, and, and fed them real food, hot meal, gave them hygiene products. It's awesome. You represented Jesus where the least of these are among us. You went to Heritage Home, House of Grace, city teams, to, to clubs and public schools to help offer hope. You went to Christian schools to pray with, with moms. Uh, one hero among us, a, a growing hero of mine, is this lady named Graciela. Uh, and she's not going to be excited I call her out today, uh, but I'm doing it anyway. Because she lives on mission. And she's an everyday missionary living on, in her everyday mission field with this purpose to help people find and follow Jesus. And this week, uh, man, she, she led one of her lifelong friends to Jesus. And right here in this baptismal on Wednesday, Graciela climbed in there with her lifelong friend and baptized him. And you didn't even see it, but it happened this week. How awesome is that? That doesn't include the multiple missionaries that we support around the globe. That doesn't include the, the m money being multiplied over and over again through efforts in, in Tanzania, in Chile, in, in the Horn of Africa, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on of the impact that you're making right here. And so every time I give, every time I get that email that our, our automated giving has hit, hit the bank account, man, I give, I give joyfully because of what it does in my own heart, but because I know it's being multiplied and lives are being changed in that moment. Proverbs 21, 26 says this, uh, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, here's what they do. Here's what you do. Love to give. They just love to give. Second observation, 
Uh, we give joyfully. Secondly, we give selflessly. Selflessly. Second uh, Corinthians eight one through five. Interesting passage. It says this. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace of God has given to the Macedonian churches. Now, these churches were under extreme persecution. They were poor. They're like literally being killed for their faith. And he says this: in the midst of very extreme trial, very severe trial, their overflowing joy. And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You talk about an oxymoron, right? Like, they're having severe trials, but yet they have overflowing joy. And out of their extreme poverty comes this rich generosity. And I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. I don't know about you, but isn't it nice to know that when we give what we can, God does what only he can Entirely on their own, they, they urgently pleaded with us for this privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord uh, to God's people. Like they were begging, like, can we just be a part of this? Can we please have the honor of giving? Verse 5, and they exceeded our expectations. How did they do that? They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. There's a lot there we could unpack. Uh, but, but we realized that, that, man, they gave themselves first to him. They gave themselves selflessly. And at the core of Christianity is this exchange, this wonderful exchange where I come to God with all my brokenness and he brings his healing. I come to God with my sinfulness and he clothes me in his righteousness. I come to God with my shame and he actually clothes me with honor. I come to God with a lot of regrets and he fills me with his hope. I come to God with everything that I am, my health, my family, my finances, my career, my hopes, my dreams. And I give him all that I am. In exchange, he gives me all that he is. And I don't know about you, but that's a wonderful gift. That's a wonderful exchange. There's this, this woman, she was shopping, and she came out of this, this store, and uh, she saw, saw four guys in her car, and she'd been uh, really ticked off by the rising crime rate in America. And so she's this pistol-packing grandma. She pulls out this gun, and she's like, boys, get out of my car right now. And these, these four dudes, like, are piling out of this vehicle. They're not waiting for a second invitation. They're running for their lives, right? And this, this grandma, who had this, like, Clint Eastwood moment, is very shaken by this, right? She gets in the car. She loads her groceries. And she's, her hands are shaking. She's very nervous. And she's having trouble, like, starting the ignition, like, getting the keys in. When she finally calms herself down enough, like, the, the car won't, just won't start. And she looks up, and there's an identical vehicle, just four spots, away. And in that moment, she realized that she has contributed to the rising crime rate in America. And according to the story, she transferred the groceries to her own car and drove to the police station to turn herself in. The desk sergeant who she told the story to about fell out of his chair laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where there were four frightened men (laughs) reporting a senior carjacking. And after she made a full apology, no charges were filled. But I tell you that to tell you this. we got to know what we own or be prepared for embarrassment. And whenever it comes to this idea of generosity, it it really comes from this posture. I can live selflessly when I realize, like, oh, my gosh, God, you've given me everything. Everything I have is yours. I own nothing. It's all yours. And you just entrusted this to me to steward Well, when I became a follower of Jesus, if you've become a follower of Jesus, in that moment there was a great exchange. 
a wonderful exchange. You gave him your life. He gave you all that he is. And now we can allow him to live through us. And that's where the abundant life is found. That's where the rich life is found, when we realize it's all, it's all his anyway. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, he said this, that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The more I understand that reality, the more I'm able to live joyfully, to give joyfully, to live, to give selflessly, and to give willingly. Give willingly. That's our third observation. Give willingly. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. That's the heart behind this, to give willingly. To give, don't give under compulsion. Don't give because I tell you some sob story. Don't give because uh, I, I, we put up here how many uh, women we can rescue out of sex slave trafficking in Cambodia. Don't give because we, we come up here and we talk about how these dollars can be multiplied over and over to, to make disciples in Africa. Don't give because, man, well, there's a huge need here in the Bay. All those things are true, but don't give because of those reasons. Give because you're willing. Give because you have a joyful heart. And here's what I want you to know as well. If you choose to never give a dime to this place, you're always welcome here. If you choose to never give anything, that's not why this talk has taken place. I'm going to greet you with a big old smile and a bear hug anyway. Because I'm glad that you're here. And I don't want anything from you. But I do want everything God has for you. And according to God's word, this is a big, a big deal. So I hope you give Willingly. There's a Wall Street Journal article. You might write this down. I don't have time to talk about it. But a Wall Street Journal article uh, titled Hardwired Forgiving. Hardwired Forgiving. And this, this Wall Street Journal article unpacks all the science behind how generosity is actually a benefit to you. Wall Street Journal article. Not some pastor talking on stage. Check it out. They don't even believe in God. Read them. It's awesome. Because you're wired for it. God's wired this into you. So we give willingly. Uh, fourth, we give thankfully. We give with thankful hearts. Uh, the, the heart of the generous is a, a heart of, of gratitude. Uh, Psalm 116, verse 12 says this, How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? That's the motivating fact. We realize, God, you've been so good to me. What can I give in light of all you've given to me? Like, it's all, it's all yours. I'm just so, I'm just so thankful. First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen says this: Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. It's all yours. That allows us to give joyfully, selflessly, willingly, and thankfully. There's an interesting passage in Exodus thirteen. Exodus thirteen fourteen through sixteen. We don't we don't have time to really unpack it today, but but here's what's taking place in this story. Uh, it's the Passover. These, these, this nation of Israel is held captive, and, and God's like, hey, I'm about to set you guys free, but I want you to, to have this Passover meal to commemorate what I'm about to do. And so he's given instructions on how this should take place, and he gives this, this order to be carried out for all generations, and he says, hey, the firstborn male animal for the rest of your life is to be given to me to remember this moment. And, and he says, hey, whenever your kids ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you giving so sacrificially? He says, you, you tell him the story. Tell him what I've done for you. And so as this, this dad would, would, would raise his kids, they'd say, Dad, why are we doing this? Why are we making such a sacrifice? His dad would say, well, son, here's what I need you to know. There was a time when your daddy was a slave. And I was serving in a mud pit with a cruel master. Matter of fact, he would, he would beat me and whip me, and dad would lift up his shirt and show him the scars on his back. He said, man, I, son, you need to know, like, I didn't see a way out of this situation. 
It seemed like there was no way possible, but here's what I need you to know, son. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, my God set me free. And here's what I need you to know, son. This may look like a sacrifice to you, but let me just be, be real. It's the least I can do. It's the least I can do. For generation, generation after generation, that story was to be told. And the same is true for you. Whenever your kids, whenever your grandkids, whenever your nieces, your nephews, your friends say, why are you doing that? Why are you serving so much? Why are you going there again? After the week you've had, why are you rocking up to church? Why are you giving sacrificially? Whenever my kids come to me and ask me that, there's going to come a point in my life at an age-appropriate time. I'm going to have to give my kids a peek behind my past and say, son, here's what I need you to know. The dad you see today wasn't always like this. I'm a different man because Jesus rescued me. There was a time when my life was in a pit. I had a cruel master. I have the scars to prove it. Some you can see, some you can't see. But here's what I need you to know. It was with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm that God rescued me out of that pit. He set me on a different path and he gave me purpose. And I need you to know, son, hey, this may look like a sacrifice, but it's really the least I can do. It's out of this overwhelming heart of gratitude that we serve. It's out of this overwhelming heart of gratitude that we give. We realize what he's done for us and we just say, oh God, we're just so thankful. It's the least. It's the least I can do. Fifth and final observation. Uh, we give intentionally. Intentionally. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says this. You must make up your own mind how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I want to share a story with you of a wonderful family that actually attends here at Central Christian Church. And uh, they took a courageous step of faith a few years ago and started trusting God in this area of their finances. Check out their story. Priya, um, me, my husband, uh, Vinod, and two kids have been coming to Central for six years now. I used to work for a company for over 10 years. At some point uh, in 2017, God clearly spoke to me saying that uh, I need to uh, move on. Uh, and he actually uh, showed me the way where I have to move on as well. I had an offer with a well-known American uh, company. When I got the offer letter, it came to me as a shocking that it was not the position that we had spoken about earlier. So I decided to reject that offer, but I knew that I had already resigned the previous uh, job as well. I was in a very uh, uh, stressful situation. So I started praying about it and I completely surrendered everything to God because this is completely out of my control. I knew that only God can do something about it. Uh, so I had written an email to all, all the pastors asking them to pray for us, uh, pray for the situation. So Glenn had responded to me saying, definitely we will pray for you, uh, but in, in case you run into financial difficulties, uh, the church uh, could try to help you with your uh, uh, situation. So that uh, hit me hard. Uh, uh, I started thinking that uh, when I had a job, when I started, when I, when I was getting paid, I never uh, thought of tithing at all. 
the reason why we did, we did not even think about it is we could not have our ends meet if we did tithing but now church is willing to help us when we run into financial difficulties so vinod and i spoke about it and we decided to uh, tithe until i have this current job irrespective of what financial difficulties we would run into the two pay cycles in october we we did tithing and then um to our surprise the first paycheck of november i get some additional amount in my paycheck and we were able to meet our ends in that month and i was surprised in couple of days i went back to calculate what was that amount it was exactly the 10% that we had tithed the earlier month god is confirming that if we give back to god he knows what we what we need and he is the provider he made me realize that he is the provider i remember learning this from my from my bible study uh, that in the whole of bible this is the only place god says test me in this this is in malachi 3:10 He says test me in this bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that that there may be food in my house test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it so this is true in my situation so if we give back to god he knows he knows what we need so uh, so i was i was so happy and i knew that god is going to do something great in uh, in my job situation also this uh, american company which had offered me earlier they came back saying that they have a um, uh, they have a, an offer uh, that we had earlier discussed earlier uh, it's the same offer same position that we discussed about so i decided to take up that offer uh but i prayed about uh the pay that they would give because this company very well knows that i don't have a job after december 1st so they they know that whatever they offer me i would accept i get this offer letter and the recruiter is giving me the offer letter and she gives me the number i was so surprised that it was just the double of what i was getting from the previous company god could give us more than we ask or imagine and since then since then we have been, we have been seeing that uh God has blessed us more and more as we keep tithing. He's been proving uh, how faithful he is when we really uh follow his words. That's awesome. Uh I'm just encouraging you like Priya and Vinoth. I'm encouraging you to make up your mind what you're going to give and do it joyfully. do it selflessly willingly thankfully and intentionally because the reality is you're rich he's entrusted us with with a lot the good news is we get to be stewards of that not because i say so but because god's asking us to trust him in this arena of our life in 1st timothy 6:19 in the living bible it reads this by doing this by taking action here like pre and venoth you'll be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven it is not it is the only safe investment for eternity and so under a little bit of reluctance i bring you this last fill in the blank uh here's the promise there's been some abuse uh, by guys like me in moments like this when it comes to this this promise but nevertheless it's a promise of scripture 
Priya's experienced it, Vanoth's experienced it, many in this room could line up to share this testimony, but here's the promise, and that's the reality that you cannot give God. You just, you just can't. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And the heart of the generous is joyful, selfless, willing, thankful, and intentional. I close with this story. I heard it from a, a pastor uh, this week, actually. He was telling the story about how he, he had a, a young son. He just turned six years old. They took him to the doctor, and they found out that his son has autism. And some of you are experiencing this as parents or grandparents, and so you know the realities of what he's up against. And as parents, that strikes us to our core. But this dad made the decision, you know what? This is my son, and we're going to go celebrate his life. So they took him to Toys R Us, and he said, son, anything in the store you want is yours. You pick out whatever you want, daddy's going to buy it. As long as it's under $30. we got to keep it there. Under, anything, anything under $30 is yours, right? And so the son, he, he walks up and down the aisles, and man, he looks at the video games, and half hour goes by, and doesn't make a decision. He walks over to look at Legos. Another half hour goes by. No decision. Walks over to the board games. Another half hour goes by. No decision. Walks over to the bikes. No decision. And the dad's like, son, I don't care if you're autistic. We've been here two hours. You got to make a decision, right? Like, let's go. We, I got stuff to do, right? In that moment... This little boy took the hand of his dad and said, Dad, I want you to decide. You always make wise choices. And that's really the heart of the generous. We walk up and down the aisles of life. There's so many options. We see all that he's entrusted to us. It's really his anyway. But whenever it comes to generosity, we just take the heart of our father. We take this hand and say, God, you decide. You always make wise choices. We do things his way. In that moment, we find freedom. Let's be a people who simply say, God, my motivating heart in this moment is you decide. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a good father. We thank you for always providing for us. We thank you, God, for always knowing what the wise decision is and how we should invest our time and our talents and our resources. And God, we just recognize today you've given us a whole lot. And so we just say thanks for that. Father, would you help us to get a grip on our money so our money doesn't have a grip on us? Father, would you help us to apply what your word says when it comes to this area that we all wrestle with? And God, would you help us to find freedom that's only found in you. As you continue to pray, maybe you're here and, and this church thing's new to you and you're like, great, week one, we're talking about money. And with your head bowed, eyes closed, as you continue to pray, maybe your best next step, maybe the reason this doesn't make any sense is because you haven't experienced the radical rescuing grace of Jesus. I'm just telling you there's a great exchange available to you where you can give him your shame and he'll clothe you with his honor.
You can exchange your brokenness for his wholeness. You can exchange your mistakes for his righteousness. And the way that takes place is by simply surrendering your life to him and allowing him to live through you. If that's where you are today and you want to begin that relationship with God, I would love to lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and believe that he he rose again, then, then you can be saved, you can be rescued, you can experience his radical grace right here, right now. And so if that's you, I just invite you to say a simple prayer with me like this. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe he, he rose again, didn't just end on the cross, but he's alive. And Jesus, because you're alive, I believe I can experience real life in you today. So I'm asking you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, give me a fresh start and a new beginning today. Now you say this to him, God, I surrender my life to you. And I invite you to live your life through me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.